Kelsey and Rebecca. And today we're talking to Amanda Mutaki of Marrakesh Food Tours. Amanda has a really interesting history in that she owns this business with her husband who she met on vacation in Marrakesh when she was younger. And it's really interesting. She's a friend of JJ, who you guys might remember from our first season. That's actually how we um, originally got in contact with Amanda. And she has a blog where she talks about her food tourism company, cross-cultural parenting, and collects recipes from Morocco. And unfortunately for all of the single ladies out there, she only does food tours no marriage tours or single lady meeting guy tours, unfortunately. But she did give us a lot of insight into how her husband is beneficial to building the business and that he's a local, but also how she plays a role being an outsider and having that unique eye of um, what isn't there in Marrakesh, where there's opportunity, and also that, that American hustle that we know so well. All right. Let's go ahead and begin the show. All right. So good. Actually, it's not the morning. We normally record in the morning, but good afternoon, Amanda. How are you doing today? I am very well. Thank you. How are you? I am doing well. I first just want to clear the air um, because while I was doing research, I happened on your website and just going to ask, you can say no, you don't do matchmaking, is that correct? That I do correct? not do matchmaking. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just wanted to check. <laughs> do not contact just. me for your matchmaking needs. I think Kelsey oh, yeah, wants to move to Morocco. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> hmm. How many kind of requests do you get just in general, ballpark? For, for like matchmaking? Yeah, because that's such a unique um, question to have on a food tour company site. Yeah. So, well, I should preface this by saying we have the food tour site. And then mm-hmm. I have my I have another website that's called Morocco Mama. And the two kind of go hand in hand and kind of feed off of each other. So I started we started the tour business from my main Morocco Mama website. But now the tours have grown kind of into their their own little ecosystem and universe. So yeah, so most of those requests come from the Moroccan mama side because I wrote about my my marriage and my relationship with my Moroccan husband. Yeah, and so then I guess I just became like the default matchmaker for some reason. Well, if you ever start, just I'll I'll put my name on the list. <laughs> or if you need a test case, just throwing it out there. <laughs> gotcha. You'll be the first one I call. <laughs> and so also on your website, I read that you met your husband while you were actually on, well, maybe not on a food tour, but in Morocco, but you were in Morocco for the first time. Can you tell us a little bit about your travels and your intro into Morocco? Sure. So I did meet him when I was on vacation in Morocco. It's a bit of a strange little story, Um, a bit of a fairy tale-ish, as people have told us. Um, so I went to Morocco the first time when I was 19 and I went with my dad and my younger sister and her best friend. And we went because my dad wanted to take, um, me and my sister on a trip before we graduated and we were kind of off on our own in the world. And so he just wanted to have that kind of like, you know, experience with us. So we argued a lot about where we wanted to go 
because I was like super into exotic places and she was into like England, um, <laughs> not exotic. Mm -hmm. So finally we, we like decided on Morocco. It was kind of in between. Uh, and so then when we were there, she, she was 16 when we went, she ended up meeting this guy when we were out on the tour one day and she told him behind our back where, where we were staying and told him to come to our Riyadh, like our bed and breakfast, if people aren't familiar with Riyadh. And he showed up there and then she told him to call one of her friends to keep her friend company, like all behind our back. She's a little bit of a troublemaker. Um, so this guy ended up showing up unbeknownst to any of us. And as I was walking and talking to my dad, I kind of felt someone walking next to me. And I turned to basically to say, get out of here, because by then we'd been in Morocco a week and I had a lot of guys come up and just randomly talk to me. Um, and so I turned to say, you know, get out of here. I'm not interested, whatever, go away. And I looked and I had no idea who this person was. I didn't know that it was the friend of the friend that my, of my sister. Um, and I looked and the first thing that came in my head was, you're going to marry this guy. And oh. <laughs> yeah. And so then like, then we pieced together, like, then I figured out, like, you know, we said, hi, hello, whatever. I didn't say get out of here. Um, and pieced together that this was, he was the friend of the friend and he was actually like, we were in his neighborhood. So he was like trying to like leave the situation because he was super uncomfortable. <laughs> he was really, really shy. So he was just trying to like very gracefully leave and didn't know we were with my sister and her friend because we were quite a ways away walking. Um, and he ends up next to me and he, he didn't stay and talk to her friend because he, he didn't speak English. So he ended up next to me and I spoke a little bit of French. And so we, we ended up talking and he didn't go away and I didn't tell him to leave. <laughs> and um, we spent that day evening, I guess, together. I mean, like then we continued on our trip and I thought, oh, that was nice. And I really liked him and whatever, but mm, I don't know. So I'm going to like very much fast forward the rest of this, but uh, we, we ended up keeping in touch through email and whatnot. And I went back on my spring break a couple months later. We got engaged after a couple of hours of me being there. Um, I know, it's crazy. It's crazy. And then I went back again in the summer and stayed longer just to, like, kind of make sure that he was who I thought he was. And he was. And, yeah, so then about – it was about a year total after we had met. Um, he came to the U.S. He did get a, a fiancé visa, like the 90-day the fiancé visa from the popular TLC television show. Yeah, and he came and we got married and uh, we've been married 14 years and we have three kids. Fairy tale indeed. They describe and, it aptly. Yeah, don't, you know, I'm trying to talk my kids out of following the same path though, because it's a little crazy. <laughs> well, I understand that you're also in business with him. So can you tell us a little bit about your food tour and how it is running that with your husband? Yeah. So when we, we lived in the U S for a long time for about nine years, and then we decided to move back to Morocco. And when we moved back to Morocco, we weren't really sure what we were going to do. I was working remotely and he was working remotely as a computer programmer. And I worked online in um, like doing PR and digital marketing. And we were out one day and we just, we saw people going and eating in all these places that we would not ever recommend anyone to go and eat. Um, and so we had this idea about doing a food tour because when we traveled and we hadn't really traveled a lot at that point, but whenever we did go somewhere, the only thing I care about when I travel is what I can eat. And then 
like if there's a museum next door that's cool we'll go see it but like food is my number one priority so I wanted to like translate that into Morocco because it's really difficult it's really difficult in Morocco to eat good authentic Moroccan food outside of people's homes because Moroccan people don't go out to eat Moroccan food they eat other things they eat Moroccan food at home so we had this thought that we would do this and it would be like just a side hustle right like we just wanted to pay our kids school fees and he told me this will never work. You are the only person in the world that travels and only cares about what they're going to eat. Other people aren't like you. You know, basically anything negative you could think of that, no, people aren't like you, people aren't like you. Um, and I said, just humor me. You know, we don't really have a ton of money to start a big business, but we could do this because we could run it online and we just have to find the spots and, you know, so that. So he was against it and I was for it, but he humored me. And that was how it started. So it started a bit with butting heads with each other, but but we have a good relationship, so it was okay. <laughs> yeah, and then it really, once we started it and, it and we started, you know, running tours and things like that, it really took off. And for us, I think there were definitely like a bunch of hurdles in the beginning, just I think as you would with any type of business, just like figuring out who does what and how it all works and, and um what the expectations are of each other um but then we kind of figured out okay this is your strengths and these are my strengths and so you take care of your stuff and I'll take care of my stuff but I think you know we still have challenges like I think our biggest challenge is just like where work and home end and we still don't really have a very good <laughs> plan of attack for that like basically work always runs into home stuff and we're always you know talking about the business and working on the business but um you know, I, I think that we have a really good, strong relationship to begin with. And so being in business together was a little bit easier, maybe even than working with a partner that wasn't my spouse, because we could be really open and candid with each other and not worry about like completely destroying that relationship because we just know each other's, you know, ticks and buttons and and like if we have a disagreement about the business, it's not going to equal the end of our marriage just because we're not, we can separate it enough, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I think totally. that's really brave. I don't know if I could go into business with my husband. So <laughs> <laughs> I know it works. I've seen it a million times, but I think that's really cool that you guys are, that you're doing it together. And I love that you're able to kind of identify the strengths on both sides and what works best. Yeah, and I would say it took us a while to get to that point. So this will be our fourth season that we've been doing, that we've been running the tour. Um, and I think finally at this point, like last year, a bit of last year and now this year, um, we've been able to say like, okay, this has gotten to be much bigger than just a side hustle. <laughs> it's much bigger than a side hustle at this point. And we need to put systems in place and we need to have, you know, regular meetings where we sit down and we discuss issues and we need to have a team in place to really uh, run and operate this. And that's been, that's been helpful. We're still kind of in that transition stage of going from a small business um, to scaling it to something, you know, a little bit bigger. We don't ever want to be gigantic, but um, something that's just a bit bigger. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what kinds of tours you offer? Yeah. So we only focus on food um, and we 
we have three main tours through our company, through our brand. So um, the first one is a street food tour. Um, that's all no tagines for anyone that's familiar with Moroccan food. My rule on all the tours is tagine free because you can eat tagine anywhere else you want in the country. <laughs> but I wanted people to see other things other than tagines in Morocco. Um, so the first one is street food. The second one um, is a mix of, of some street food, but also some um, dishes that are traditionally made in Moroccan homes that you'll never or very, very rarely find on Moroccan menus. So we've worked with a couple of restaurants who, who make these things just for us. So they're not on their menus, but they've, they make it for us when we have our tours. Because if you aren't ever invited to a Moroccan home, you'll never have really have a chance to try these dishes. Um, and then the third tour that we do is a sandwich tour. So it's all sandwiches which is just kind of fun and it's our shorter tour and it's great for kids and people that are, um, you know, they want to taste the Moroccan food, um, but they don't want to spend the time or necessarily the money for the larger tour. And then we, um, we have a couple other food experiences that we work with some partners on that we don't offer directly through our company, but we have a couple trusted partners who offer day trips like out to the mountains to have lunch with the Berber family or to have um, dinner and camel rides in the in the Agafe Desert outside of Marrakesh. So those kind of experiences we're always working on and looking to expand. But I'm super, super picky with, with what I offer. So it's been a little slower. What are some of the dishes that you guys highlight that are quintessentially Moroccan, but outside of the tagine? Sure. So we do do couscous, which is obviously uh, also a very well-known Moroccan dish. Um, but we have it, we have a kind of a hidden little spot where we go with a, with a family of ladies um, who do the cooking just like they would do at home. So that's one. And then another thing that we do is, uh, this is a dish for Marrakesh only, um, really is tangia, which sounds like tagine, but it's not tagine. And it's a slow cooked lamb that's cooked in the coals of the of the bathhouse, the hammam, the Moroccan hammam. So we do tangia and we do meshwe, which is a slow, another type of slow roasted lamb, but dry roasted. Those are three big ones. Uh, we do a sardine, a grilled sardine meatballs with a whole bunch of toppings. And then we have a bunch of sweets, different sweet things um, that are, you know, street food things that lots of people pass, but they don't ever stop because they're really unsure. Um, so everything that I've picked has been things that, um, the rule is my mom wouldn't walk in like my American mom would never stop and try it or touch it or would just be so, you know, uncomfortable with knowing what it was or wouldn't be able to ask what it was. But my Moroccan mother-in-law would eat it. So it has to be good enough for her to eat, but like scary enough that my mom wouldn't go. <laughs> yeah. On that note, what are some of the perceptions of Morocco or Moroccan food that your guests sometimes have that you kind of want to, I guess, improve upon? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that a lot of people think is that Moroccan food is very spicy. I get that a lot that people say like, oh, I really don't like spicy food. So I don't think I'll like Moroccan food. Um, and it's not spicy really at all. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is that people really, one of the big issues with visiting Morocco is that um, the menus are basically the same no matter where you go. Like restaurants tend to serve like, the exact same things, no matter where you are, with, you know, some slight variations. So people really think like that is what Moroccan food is, like, like what they see on the menus is it. 
like I, the first time I went, we ate chicken and lemon tagine with olives for like 10 days in a row. Like every day we had it for either lunch or dinner. And I still to this day, it's not my favorite Moroccan food. Like I can now finally eat it. But yeah, um, so that repetitiveness is is really sad sad to me because there's a whole lot of other options. Um, and then I think the other thing that people have is this sense that there's a lot of meat in the Moroccan diet, which is, it's actually the opposite. And like a traditional Moroccan diet, like what we would eat at home, uh, there's so much vegetables and beans and, um, you know, other things other than meat where meat is just really like a, a small part of it. Um, but again, it's what you see on menus and restaurants think, okay, tourists come and they want to eat a lot of meat. They just want meat. So they don't put, they don't put the vegetable dishes. They don't put the bean dishes because they say, well, the tourists don't want that. And that's like, that's like poverty food anyway. So why would we want to showcase that? Then they'll think we're poor. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to go back to this sardine meatball for selfish reasons only. I have like tins of sardines in my cupboard that I'm trying to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried a Sicilian sardine pasta dish today and as delicious as it was, I could only finish half, but these meatballs kind of interest me. Uh, do you mind just like sharing how you think they're made? <laughs> yeah, so I honestly don't know if they're ma- they're made with fresh sardines, so I'm not sure how it would turn out with the tin sardine. You could try it though. I'm sure yeah. they're much more salty than the fresh ones. But it's super simple. So basically, they just shred the, you know, you take all of the scales and the bones, you know, just get the meat of the sardines. And then it's combined with a mixture of spices and um, made into little like patties and then grilled, just like how you'd cook a a meatball. Um, And then, well, I mean, I guess you wouldn't grill a meatball, but they look like a meatball and then they're grilled to like how you'd maybe do like little mini burgers. and then you put them in bread, of course, because Moroccans eat loads of bread um, at, with harissa, if you want, the pepper paste and like a fresh tomato sauce, like a fresh grated tomato sauce with like cilantro or parsley. Um, uh, the smen, which is like an, an aged Moroccan butter, but you could just use regular butter too. That's fine. Um, olives and um, raw onions. We could do cooked onions, whatever you want. Um, so that's all put into bread and then eaten. And I actually have a recipe uh, for it on my website. So if you want it, I'd be happy to send it your way. Oh, yeah. Those are like flavors I would have never paired with sardines, uh-huh. maybe except for the olives. So, yeah, I'll definitely check out. Um, it's the one Morocco Mama, right? Has all the recipes? Just Moroc- yeah, just Moroc Mama. Moroc Mama. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually that dish, that sandwich is oftentimes the most surprising thing that people eat on the tour. Their favorite ends up being their favorite. And um, I get told like at least once every tour, like I would have never guessed it was I would have never guessed it was sardines. I I thought it was just meat because it doesn't taste fishy at all. That sounds like the perfect solution for my problem. (laughs) (laughs) Before we went down this uh, delicious fish meatball rabbit hole that now I'm definitely going to make, uh, <laughs> you touched on some kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting concept about when you said that some of the restaurant tours don't want to showcase this kind of poverty food, as you put it, beans and vegetables and things like that for tourists. And that's kind of a, it's an interesting topic. And I think 
it, that could be a whole separate conversation, but it kind of brings up the idea of sensitivities. And so I'm just wondering, what are some of the values that you try to embed into your tours as the owner? Right. So it's really, really important to us. And when we did this was that we wanted to make sure that this tour was not necessarily about us, but about showing people another side of life in Morocco and giving them a chance to interact with Moroccans on a level that was not about selling because for a lot of people who come to visit Morocco and especially Marrakesh because it's like the tourist epicenter of the country the only time that people really get to interact with Moroccans is when they're in a, like a, a transactional based situation right like I'm buying something from you or I'm staying at your your Riyadh or um, I'm eating in your restaurant and there's very little opportunity to just meet with people not in that situation, right? Like where the barrier, the walls are down a bit. So we always, we keep our groups really small, like six to eight people, which most food tours that I've been on are like 12 to 15 typically. We never want to be that big because we want people to feel like they're going out with friends. Uh, we want them to be able to sit and enjoy their meal. You know, we want them to talk to the lady that made the couscous. And we want them when they go to the bread ovens to ask questions and not to feel like they're in a pressured situation where they just get this chance to really experience what Moroccan culinary culture is about and Moroccan people, like just a general sense of who they are and what's important to them. And the people that come on our tour love food. so to do it through food just makes total sense, right? Like, because anyway, if you're eating with someone, the barriers totally come down. In a previous episode um, in our season, we've talked to some women who started tour companies in Dubai and in Iran, and it was unique for their vendors with whom they work because mm -hmm. they didn't really interact with tourists at that kind of like interactive level. Yep. Um, did you have like any feedback from the vendors when you first pitched this idea to them? Yeah, definitely. And I know those ladies that you're talking about. <laughs> um, they're great. Uh, so, yeah, it was actually really hard in the beginning because they didn't get the concept at all. Like we had to spend a lot of time educating them almost on like on what we wanted to do and what the concept was because they had no concept of it uh, you know we'd go and talk to them they say oh yeah we'll come come in and we'll do three courses and da, da, da. you know and we're like no no <laughs> like we just want to come and we just want to eat this one thing and they'd be like oh but you know then you know, I have other things that I could do. And, you know, they, they just really didn't get it. So mm -hmm. we had to, we had to kind of scale back a little bit uh, because the first thought was we'd go to restaurants and, and we saw that that wasn't going to work. So that's how we kind of got into being, um, more of the street food where we'd go to the vendors, like the sardine guy, he only makes sardines. Like he makes that sandwich and he makes grilled sardines and that's all he does. So when we came and said, look, we want to come and we're just going to have the sandwiches. He was like, okay, sure. Yeah, no problem. So until we could really prove the concept and and show people what we were doing and they got it, that seemed like a a, a good option. And now we we just did a, a one of the new routes. They got it. Like now they get it because we have this body of evidence and they know us and they've heard of us and they want to work with us. Yeah. So there was definitely a a big hurdle in that sense. 
When you were having these conversations with them and having these negotiations, were you doing it over food or tea? Yeah, I mean, if you uh, if you go into a shop in Morocco and they don't offer you tea, then <laughs> then then you know you're really not welcome. But yeah, so the, I mean, definitely always there was a cup of tea, and I think you know some of the cases in the beginning it was my husband doing it, so that's also a good reason why our partnership works really well because Morocco is very is possible to work as a female and it's not like such a restrictive society that, you know, a lot of people think it is, but it's a lot easier when you're a man. Like that's just the reality of it. And when you're a local like Moroccan from Marrakesh guy going and talking, like my husband has a much easier time doing that. So yeah, he'd always get invited in and, you know, go have lunch or whatever to kind of break the ice and have the conversation. But we also knew he knew a lot of those people because he grew up there. So we tried to kind of stick with those people, those people first. I like that. So you're giving a lot of business to, you know, the locals and people, you know, and just kind of, you know, helping them out. It's a really mutual relationship. Yeah, absolutely. All of the places that we go are Moroccan owned businesses. We don't, um, we really want to support the local economy and the local, um, local people. And, you know, we pay our guides, uh, we pay them a living wage, not the going rate, quote unquote, but we pay them, um, you know, a Western-ish wage because they're doing our job that is important to us and we want them to do it right. And so we want to take care of them and we vet them and their expertise. Um, and the same with all of our vendors. We don't get any discounts or ask for any <laughs> reductions in price just because of, you know, we're bringing in, in guests. We pay them, you know, the fair wage for their product. So you were saying that it's easier sometimes for your husband to do the negotiations simply because he's from there, but also because he's a man. But as someone, I mean, I think there's an advantage for you as well, being someone from from elsewhere who made Morocco your home. What kind of advantages do you see that you have in working in culinary tourism there as, as kind of a, not an outsider, you live there now, but from somewhere else? Yeah, I think that as an outsider, I was able to see opportunity where I had um and him to some degree too, but I was able to see both cultures and I was able to see what was kind of missing in the marketplace because I wasn't a part of it, if that makes sense. I was, you know, I could see it from the outside. Um, and that would be probably the biggest asset um, just to be able to see the opportunity and also, um, you know, just have that can-do American sense sensibility, like anything is possible, like let's make it work. That's not, that's not a global trait <laughs> I've learned. That was Two, I think two things that really like helped helped me. Um, and I, you know, the thing is in Morocco, there's a lot of foreigners who come in and start businesses and there's a, there is a sense of animosity um, with locals to some degree of foreigners that come in and do that and kind of take advantage of people or take advantage of their, um, maybe their, their status, you know, maybe their socioeconomic status. And so it took, it did take our vendors a little while to warm up to me just because they in the beginning were a bit leery because of that reason. But once they really got to know me and, uh, and, and warm up now, you know, now it's totally different. Like it's, um, it's really nice to see that they, they respect me 
and I respect them, of course, and that we have this mutual understanding and they look out for me and, you know, it's kind of like, because they're almost all men except for, you know, a small handful. So if I'm out in the, if I'm out in the Medina and they see me there, it's like having like all these little dads watching out for me all the time. That's so cute. <laughs> um, so being that now you have a more established relationship with a lot of these people, but you still are, you know, you're still an American and you still have this outsider view of the opportunities. Is there expansion in the future? And what does the future look like for your, for Marrakesh food tours? Yeah, we definitely hope so. Like, like I said, we've added on a new route um, this season and we're, we're working right now on kind of scaling our team and putting systems in place so that, so that my husband and I can really run the business instead of work in the business, if that makes uh, if that makes sense. And we'd love to possibly go to other cities um, and do it, but um, you know we're just kind of the stage because our our oldest son is going to high school and we have another son in the middle, so we're kind of like trying to balance personal and the business and kind of see like where our path is going to go. But we definitely would love to see, you know the the tour the culinary tourism business grow in Morocco because there's just so much there and so much opportunity and there are so many people like me who love to travel and eat so I want to give them that that's a fact <laughs> I am one of them <laughs> very cool so Amanda how can our listeners reach out to you um, and find more information about the tours or the amazing recipes that you have collected and made over the years. Yes, you can find us. We're online. Our website is marrakeshfoodtours.com. Super simple. Or you can Google it. You'll find us. Just Marrakesh Food Tours. The same on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, my website is marokbama, M-A-R-O-C-M-A-M-A.com. And on all social media, marokbama too. So either of those you'll get me and I will be happy to make all of your Moroccan food dreams come true. Perfect. Well, I look forward to trying the sardine meatball sandwich and thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the culinary citizen today. Before you leave your podcast listening platform, please give us a review. We'd love to hear what you think. You can also reach us at culinarycitizen.com. Otherwise, until next time.